Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of the Short Corner podcast. Um, everyone's here today, apart from Joe, who's on a um, he's on a train to Edinburgh from London. So with Joe, he's either visiting family or he's part, in, part of some drug trafficking um, project. With Joe, you never know, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't tell us what, why he was going to Edinburgh, but yeah, we'll assume it's family and nothing dodgy. But um, I'm joined by Naeem, Rid and Samir. Do you want to say hello? Hello, everyone. Hello. So yeah, it's the first time we've done a Milan podcast, like exclusively Milan podcast for a while because of um, the Euros and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we've got a load of stuff to talk about today, transfers, uh, renewals, um, betrayal, uh, wonder kids, um, and yeah, just everything in between really. So uh, we'll start off with the betrayal. Um, Donnarumma's move to PSG has been confirmed uh, on a free transfer. Uh, he signed that for five years and he's taken the number 50 shirt, which is the most retarded thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, so, yeah, I think you can see what I think of it. Uh, does anyone else want to offer up their thoughts on this, really? Yeah. So, so guys, if you didn't know, Matt uh, started supporting Milan because of Gigio. So it's a lot similar to uh, me supporting Milan because of Kaka. So he's, he's a bit sad, you know. I can understand if he doesn't want to talk about the situation, so I'll be happy to break it down for you. So, so Gigio, I, I believe he was the highest paid GK in the league already before the contract negotiations started. I, I mean, that's more than enough. If, if he, he keeps saying he loves Milan, if he loves Milan, you are, you're making more than Chesney, you're making more than Handanovic and any other keeper that's already playing in the Serie A. You should be content with what you have. And Maldini, on top of that, offered a salary increase. So I don't know why he just didn't take that. Maldini said, hey, you can become a Milan legend like me. You're right into his face. And Donnarumma is like a coward. He went behind Mino Raiola. Like you hid behind his back, his fat back, and said, hey, I want more money. That's that's the first sign of greed right there. So that, that are my thoughts. He's he's greedy. He, he, if you're, if you're going to say you love Milan, you're not showing that you truly love Milan like Canali and Calabria did. Good riddance, but... Uh, Good luck, good luck at PSG. No hard feelings there. I mean, I think all Milan fans pretty much the same view on that. Um, the thing I didn't really like, I guess, is in his goodbye post, which I've got here. He says um, that sometimes it's correct just to go somewhere else and find new challenges to grow and stuff like that, which for me just doesn't make sense because, you know, uh, if we didn't make it to the UCL and stuff like that, if, again, we came, I don't know, six or seven or something, then I would be like, yeah, fair enough. You're just wasting your time here. But now we came second in the league. We are growing. Like, um, it looks like our team's getting better. We came second. We're fighting back in the UCL. And you're going to PSG where, fair enough, yeah, they might have a challenge this year because last year, Leo, uh, not Leo, yeah, it was Leo who won the league on and PSG yeah. came second. And they've been trying to win the UCL for like forever at this point. They just can't seem to do it. So I get it. Yeah, there are some challenges. But is it really that much compared to what Milan is doing? Because if you look at PSG's team this year, they're just buying again everyone and no one's stopping them. So is it that big of a challenge? I guess moving away from the way you've lived for a decade and stuff like that, that in itself is a challenge, but that's fair enough. But in a football sense, I don't really see it. You know, it just... As Naeem said, he's just hiding the fact that he just wanted all that money. Which yeah. is fair enough. I mean, we can all like we can all agree that he's the great one, great goalkeeper. He has a chance of being honestly the best of all time. Like 
even this Euros as an Italy fan, like he saved us so many times in the shootout. If it wasn't for him, we would not have won. Like I'm never gonna be like, no, he shit. I'm glad he left. I'm glad he left because he doesn't represent the values of Milan and just didn't, didn't want to be here. But at the end of the day, he didn't want to stay here. There's nothing we could have done. And with the money we've saved, we've made, we're making so many good investments that we needed. So as I said, good riddance. And it is what it is. So, yeah. Um, Marco Verratti this week actually came out and said, I'm happy Gigi was here and he's joining a club with Champions League permission. I'm, I'm sorry, Marco, but... Ever since you've been at PSG, you've won the same number of Champions League as <laughs> Arsenal. And Arsenal have none. So I don't know what he's trying to say there. You, you haven't won the Champions League. So what ambitions are you talking about there? They had the same ambitions since the last five years. It's, yeah, it's never going to happen, man. And I have four words for Gigio. Great player, shitty person. Absolutely. Like... Like, I stopped giving shit about him since, you know, he said uh, Maldini, like, he does what Viola tells him to do. Like, if you can say that to Maldini, you are, like, probably one of the worst person ever. Like, what the fuck? Like, yo, like, make your own decisions, man. Like, and apparently he's going to earn, like, 8 million in PSG with 2 million bonuses. So, and he might so it looks like it was not, by the way, because obviously Kieran Alves is there. Exactly, I think so. He probably left for you know Raiola, so Raiola could make you know twenty million in bonuses. So yeah, yeah man, it was all Raiola. He he, he didn't, he's not even making a significant amount more. I mean, we all know how Raiola is. Like we all, it's been years. He's always been like he's been in a pain in the ass for our team for forever. Like yeah. there hasn't been a year that we haven't read the name Raiola and been like, oh fuck, say not this guy again. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't blame you on him. At the same time, he's your agent. You hired him. And if you really wanted to stay, you'd be like, listen, I don't like what you're doing. You're making this complicated. Either I'm, I don't want you anymore or just calm down, okay? Stop eating the burgers, calm down, and we'll get, let's get this sorted. But he didn't, so it's not really right. Also, just on the room, isn't it? Because if, if he wanted to, he could, you know. That's a lot of things people say in a lot of scenarios. But if he wanted to, he could. Which kind of links to... Well, Matt was saying he's going for the break of emotions. So, how are you feeling about that, Matt? <laughs> yeah, it's just because uh, I'm trying to put it into words. I'm still trying to rationalize it because, like I say, it's the obviously I support Milan for so many more reasons now, but it was the original thing that got me into Milan as a goalkeeper and stuff like that. And you look up to him and stuff like that. And then it's like, do you know, in 2017 when. You, you become blind to it when you when you like when you like him that much and when you and when you see him as a Milan player and a really good goalkeeper and that like you become blind to things that um just are shitty and like you pretend that you pretend that it's okay and stuff like that because you so when he do you remember when he whenever Milan attacked him Milan fans attacked him on his pride for Milan he was like I'll, I'll stay quiet I won't say anything I won't yeah, that's fine. And then the moment everyone started slagging Raiola off, it was t- yesterday, today, and forever, or whatever the <laughs> saying was. And it's it's clear that. But the thing is, then in 20, 2017, 2018, or whatever it was, you become blind to it, and you're like, oh, I still love him. He's a Milan player. He's a Milan legend. He's one of our best players. I'll ignore that behaviour. I'll ignore him, like going against Milan and sticking up for his agent and seeing his agent as more important because. He's renewed now, and since 2017 or 2018, again we've put it off. All the 
all the talk of him renewing for like five years and he's never done it. He's never like jumped at the opportunity to stay here forever. It's always been, oh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll give it next year. Oh, we'll see if we get Champions League. Oh, what, how are we doing in the Europa League? How are we doing in Syria? And again, you become blind to it because you're like, he'll renew, he's fine. He'll been off Raiola, he'll he'll be a legend forever. And you, yeah, you put off all these signs that he's actually going to leave. And then when he does leave, you just feel shit and you feel like a bit of a mug, really. You feel like you feel you don't you feel disappointed in him, but you feel more disappointed in yourself that you believed it could have ended any other way, if that makes sense. You believe you believe that it was all going to be dreamy and you believed it was all going to be like utopian and then it ends it ends otherwise. And yeah, you feel a fool for believing that a money hungry Milan fan and mm-hmm. Milan Easter has left and yeah I I am obviously disappointed I'm gutted but I think when it kind of got when the rumours were circulating at first and before it was officially confirmed I think me and Samir and I can't remember who was on the podcast but Samir definitely was and we were talking about how if it was like you know when we used to get linked to Perrin and we used to get linked to Murray and stuff like that we used to get linked to bad goalkeepers to replace him I'd be even more gutted but we've got a we've got the best goalkeeper in Liga, he won the league. He kept more clean sheets in Donnarumma, more clean sheets in Edison, Allison. We've got a good goalkeeper to replace him. Someone who's here, and you see the money he's on. The money he signed for Milan on, it's probably like less than he's at Lille. It's definitely not way more than he was on at Lille. So yeah, the numbers that Mike Mignon signed for, I think it shows that he values Milan and he wants to be here solely for the footballing purposes. And yeah, he's someone who fits the club more than Don Rumor does, and yeah, it's a shame, but we've got to move on with our new goalkeeper who's not bad at all. So, What's yeah. uh, interesting about Mike, uh, Mike Mignon is that uh, he was ready to sign with Milan and he knew the fact there's a chance that Gigi could stay. Uh, I'm pretty sure they got the deal gone through while Gigi was in the contract negotiation phase with Maldini, and Mignon agreed to the wages that Maldini offered to him. So, I think that's that's a great character. We got a great keeper on our hands, and you know, my nuns, I hopefully will be good for us. Well, from one snake to another, um, Channel Log will join Inter and a free transfer as well. Um, see, I think with, for me personally, with this one, I couldn't care less, honestly. I think I've been okay. over Channel Log playing for me for so long, and I would have, if anything, if it was like it's a win for us because it's going to go to probably sabotage them with his playing ways. But, I mean, besides that, I mean, I'm happy that he left, obviously. Um, as long as we get a good replacement, our only number 10 currently is Kurnich, who is even number 10. So, right now, I'm like, you know, what's going on? But I know we we have to get number 10 at some point. So, as long as there's someone decent, which better than China Logan, which isn't that hard, then I'm fine with it. But the only thing, I think, similar with Donnarumma, like, you don't just leave Milan and then just join Inter like that. Um and a lot of players have done it before. But, you know, I think he's really um, released an interview this morning or the last night. And he was saying that like, he's done so many great things for Milan. Mm-hmm. What has he done? What has he done? <laughs> <laughs> Please help me out here. I can't find what he's done for us. I mean, yeah, he had a good few months post-lockdown, post which really helped us, um, you know, go a few places higher, which in the end didn't really do much because uh, we didn't get the UCL that, that year. But 
if you look at his stats over the four years he's been here, he has done nothing. So I don't know where he's coming from. He's a bit too full of himself, but you know, who am I to judge? I mean, I don't think anyone, I mean, me personally, anyways, I'm not going for the same thing with Gigi, where I was like, oh, a part of me really wished that he stayed because obviously it's great with Chanlog. I'm like, finally. <laughs> a lot of Milan fans have been celebrating that Chalamuglu have left. I'm I'm one of them. I, I'm I'm glad that Chalamuglu's gone, and it's just his ego. He has the ego of someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but the ability of someone like what um, I don't even know Jamal Mezba, I would say that's that's his ability. And Chalamuglu, it's he's a frustrating player, and like you said, there's there's stats. He has none of that. He has the chances created, but those are from corners and set pieces. On top of that, we have our eye test. On the eye test, he's just horrible. He's awful. He had what the situation of Ebra yelling at him. I, I forgot what game it was. Just like he says, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like right to his face in front of everyone. And I'm, I'm glad he's gone. But I know for a fact that replacement that Maldini has lined up, he's going to be exponentially better than Hakan Let it be Blasic, Let it be Hamez, um, Let it be Luis Alberto, who we're linked to this morning, actually. Um, so there's there's some uh, good replacements out there. Yeah, this one like the Donnarumma one, it's a bit like like you say, Rid, it's painful, but like you kind of understand it in a way like PSG in terms of like maybe wanting to win the Champions League and money wise, it is an upgrade for him in some respects. I do kind of understand it, but this hack one is just weird, isn't it? It's just like I don't get it. Like, why does he want to like go to Inter so badly? Like. When they obviously they've won the league and fair play to them, but like we're not miles behind them, they're not like like PSG or they're not like Man City or something like if that. Anything they're and, worse than last year because they're having to sell some of the yeah, players, exactly. so like like so. and it's just like, why do Inter want him? And then I was speaking, uh, do you know Noah? I forgot his at on Twitter, but um, he's from Canada and uh, he's an Inter fan, and he was just like, if the thing to Ericsson didn't happen. They'd never sign Hakan. Like it would yeah. never have got signed. And it's I saw a uh, quote from I think it was Notarino. It was either Notarino or Massaro, but it was funny regardless. It was like he's given the performances of like a two out of five player, like two out of five star player, and he's asking for the like he's asking for the world. And yeah, yeah it's just it's a weird one. And like you say, Naeem, it's not going to be a massive loss. And whoever we get in, whether it's Sabitza, Luis Alberto, Ilicic, Papu Gomez, someone like that, it's going to be someone who's a lot more consistent, someone who can lead a counter-attack unlike Hakan. The amount of times you see Teo bombing forward, <laughs> Calabria bombing forward, Ibra getting ready to make a run, and then you just pass it to the opposite team. They all have to go back round and all go back to defend. Yeah. And yeah, it's... Unlike Donnarumma, where it's like, oh, we've lost a good player here with Hakan, it's almost like we've like the burden's gone, like a weight has been lifted, and we can move on. And yeah, how many free kicks did he score for us after he was the free kick god at Hamburg like two, and Leipzig? One And talking about numbers again, he picked number twenty as well when he literally has a tattoo of a number ten as well in his arm. So <laughs> that's just another one. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can talk about replacements actually. We can go down into like who do you yeah. want Hakan's role for each of us and why why is that? So for me, other names I've been listed, I think Papu Gomez would have to be my number one pick. He's he's quality, you know, Syria. I think we'd all love the uh, Papu dance in our in our locker room. Mm-hmm. And he's a lot better than Hakan. So for me, but on top of that, I want to touch on a tweet that Joe made. Um, 
Vlasic, a lot of us have not watched him, and that's true. We don't really watch Russian League. We, I think Matt and I have seen a bit of him at Everton when he was like 18 or 19. He, he's all right there, but you know we haven't really watched the Russian League much. So if you don't know much about Vlasic, uh, I'm just going to touch on that. But uh, you guys can talk about who you guys want as a Hakan replacement. I mean, I want Sabitza, honestly. Um, I don't think he's the proper – he's not a number 10. I wouldn't say he's a number 10, but I definitely think he has the abilities to be a good number 10. And he – pretty sure he played most of the season last season as a CM, CDM, so not as a CAM. So it just shows he, is, he can play in those positions if needed. And we're going to touch on the AFCON later, but when Kessie Benas are missing – he could even fill in if needed. Um, he's, he's, what, 27, so 27, 28. So compared to Luis Alberto, Ilici, Chimpapo Gomez, he's a bit younger than them, so he probably has a few years. And he wants to leave. Um, his price tag seems to be only around 15, 20 million, which I think is a deal. So that would be my number one pick. But I wouldn't mind someone like Luis Alberto, because again, or Papa Gomez, because they both know uh, Serie A, they both play very well. They play very well and they have experience and they're better than Hakan. In terms of Blazic, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I know. I I really didn't know him till a few days ago when we were linked to him. But I trust Maldini in this scouting team. So if they think it's a good player, he's a good player. Because uh, looking at the history, the only player that came to Milan, it was ter- just terrible. It was like, what, well, Duarte? I think that was the only one who was just terrible. So yeah. I have I have trust in them. If they think they're good, I'll back them. Um yeah, I, I agree with you, Rid. Savitsa, I, I really do like him. I think I saw this, I can't remember the stat exactly, but a really high percentage of his goals are like from outside the box. And it's like if you think about what we were promised with Hakan, he was yeah. going to be some like long range shot monster and he was going to be getting assists and like really good goals and like really good goal at goal and assist output. I think Sabitza is that. I think he's and obviously we thought that with Hakan and every transfer has the potential to go wrong. But I think Sabitza, I think if you're looking, I'm not sure what the situation is on why Leipzig want to sell him for or might have to sell him for such uh, a low price. I think it might be something to do with his contract. But the yeah, price I think he, he expires for, next year and he wants to leave yeah. so obviously they just want to sell him. Yeah, so it's looking at like 20 million euros, 25 million euros or even cheaper and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think for for that price and that quality, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like him. I think he's less of a risk. I think you're talking, it seemed like, obviously, I don't think Milan would invest this heavily, but like Damsgaard, we were linked to Damsgaard and apparently even before we break out of the Euros, we were kind of monitoring the situation. But you're looking like 50 million euros on a 19-year-old It's who's not even really... Like took the Serie A by storm. I think it's a bit of a risk, but I think with someone like, like say, someone who's either knows the league really well, like a Luis Alberto, an Ilicic, a Papu Gomez, or just someone who's been doing it quite consistently for one of Europe's biggest clubs in Leipzig, like one of their, like always in the Champions League. Um, yeah, going far in the Champions League, I think someone like Sabitza would be perfect. Um, Samir, have yeah. you got any suggestions? Anyone that you'd prefer? I think right now, Anyone over Hakan is a great, like instantly because, like my my thing is like we've seen this guy right. We've, we've seen his like seen his shit in Bundesliga, starting off you know when he joined us twenty seventeen. Like he has the ability right to pass, long pass, you know like shoot. I don't know like what the hell's wrong with him. Like he lost everything. Like 
each year he lose like one of his skills. <laughs> First year he lost his free kick. Second year shooting. Now this year, like the fourth year, he can't even fucking pass. Like I don't understand. Like, like, like you should improve every year, right? Like this year keeps on decreasing. No idea how it works, you know. Like, anyways, my honestly, I wouldn't mind anyone. I, I, I like I see like Milan Twitter like like dying for Nikola Vlasic. Like no one saw him. I'm hundred percent sure. Like no one saw this guy. Mm-hmm. And if you did, it was like years back. None of us watched Russian league. Like nine watched him in Everton. Okay. Yeah. Like last few seasons, no one saw him. I, I'm guaranteed. Like, and like he, I'm kind of scared because he has similar stats to Hakan when he was in Bundesliga or even CIA. Like similar types of the number of goals and assists. And that guy is in you know Russian league, and Hakan is in CIA. You know, if you look at look at the stats, it's pretty similar. You know, like similar kind of goals and assists, both of them. So. For proven, I would love, you know, if you said dream signing, I would love Luis Alberto. But I don't think Lazio will sell him less than 50, 40. Yeah. And for, like, a cheaper option, like, you know, like, uh, one I can see happening, like Naeem said, Papo Gomez, I would love Papo Gomez. He still, I think, has, like, two years left, like, at best. So, I would love Papo Gomez or the other one is James Rodriguez. Like, I, I really like the player, I, I, like, since 2014 World Cup. Always wanted him. I know the problem with him is in his injury. He's really injury-prone. But then, the days he's fit, he's going to give, like, he's going to, you know, every match is going to be a masterclass. And if we sign Brian Diaz, if Hamas gets injured, you know, Brian can play. So, you know, so if you can get Hamas within, like, 10 million or less, I would love him. And Dream, uh, Luis I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Hamas, honestly. I think his injury history is just too bad. Um, that's the only thing that's stopping, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think he's a good player, but I think because because of the way they play, our number 10 really is so important. And we have seen with Hakan, as Matt was saying, how many times has he wasted a counter attack? If you had a proper number 10 in those situations, then we would have done so much better. And having Hamis in those situations would make our team better. But the thing is, if he isn't, then that's the problem. We don't have a number 10. I mean, Raheem, yeah, he is getting better, but, you know, I wouldn't, I don't expect him to be playing most of the games of the season because I think it's such an important position for us. That's why I want someone like Sabitza or Luis Alberto who, like, we know he can do it consistently, not get injured all season, whereas with someone like Vlasic, we don't know what he can do. You know, he hasn't been, well, he has has been consistent, but in the Russian league, he hasn't been consistent, like, Serie A or Champions League, like the likes of Papa Gomez, Luis Alberto, etc. have been. Whereas with James Rodriguez, the only consistent thing he's done in his career has been injured. So that's that's why I'm like, I'd rather not. Same thing with Isco, really. I don't know Isco's been linked to us, but he's not that much of an upgrade over Brahim, I would say. No. I think the thing with James Rodriguez is, like like uh, Samir said, when he's on his day, when he's like on form, he's 10 out of 10. Every time he plays, he's 10 out of 10 when he plays. But the thing is, with his injuries, his overall effectiveness balances out at like a four or a five, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas if you have someone like Sabitzer or Papu Gomez, they might have a few games where they're like a, a six or like their average might only be a seven, but their average is a seven. Every single week, you're getting a decent performance out of them. Whereas Hamid Rodriguez, like you think about it, Coppa Italia, Champions League, Serie A, if we're ambitious, yeah. we're going to be looking to play 50, 50 games next season. And we need, like, for, for a team that relies on a 
4-2-3-1, a team that's built around a 4-2-3-1, the, the cam, the number 10 is essential. And I think that position, we need someone reliable and someone who's going to, yeah, we can rely on. And uh, yeah, the problem with Hamid Rodriguez is he's not always going to be able to be relied on, which is a shame. And we, and we all know Zlatan is already going to be out for half of this season. We just know <laughs> it. We just know it's going to happen. So we can't he's, go into the season knowing that we're going to miss Zlatan, yeah, half of the season is gone. And we can't risk having someone in the number 10, who's also going to be missing half of the season. We just can't have two injury-prone players in two of our most important positions, striker and number 10. I think the jury medical is actually on that note. It's uh, it's today. That's being scheduled for. I mean, yeah. it's been meant to be like <laughs> every day this week, but no one knows at this point when it's coming. But it looks like it's done, so... It's done. Maldini's Maldini mm. kind of said yes. So, yeah. What are thoughts on jury joining then? I think he's, he's a serial winner. World Cup yeah. champion. His resume is there. He's, he's a decent, good and more than good enough back off. His bicycle go, go, kick goal against the Atletico, that was amazing. Like his technical ability, in my opinion, is up there for the Serie A. He's not the fastest. Like the Premier League, oh, we're fast. They need to be fast and physical. Serie A is way more suited for a player like Olivier Giroud. He's going to be in the box and he's going to score. Just nothing more yeah. to it. Yeah, I don't understand why a lot of people are not happy with it. I think just touching back on injury, his injury history isn't very good. He hasn't been injured in ages, even despite his age. He can score goals. He's he's a winner. And he's more than happy being the backup, you know? like He's the backup at Chelsea. He's the backup in France. Um, mm-hmm. He looks like he's more than okay with not being the main guy but being the guy when you put him in, you can rely on him and he will score the goals. Oh. And we're getting him for like, well, one million from paying one million of Charles apparently. The contract is not too expensive. It's only two years. So as a cheap, reliable um, option, that's as good as it gets for me. Yeah, I really like it to be fair because like you say, he's someone who isn't going to cause the first. He, he knows his role. He, and he, and like you say, he relishes his role. Every time, like, Chelsea, one of the reasons I think Chelsea fans quite like him is they, he does cause a lot of havoc, like, when he, like, in a good way. Because someone like Werner, Werner, obviously Werner's not had a great season, but every Chelsea striker that's been there whilst he's been there, none of them have been able to be comfortable. Like, Tammy Abraham, he had, like, he was their top scorer last year, I think. Or I think even until the late stage of the season, like, Tammy Abraham was their top scorer this season. And Werner, like, obviously, he had a like a lot of pressure on him with a big move from Leipzig. But Giroud's always there. And same with France. Like, see what, like, see how France's system fell apart this summer when Giroud wasn't there. And so I think he's a player that, as we're talking about, playing 50 games a season, I think you can rely on him. I think that you can rely on him in the sense that if he starts, he's start quality. And if he's coming off off the bench or if he's on a rotation or if he's playing cup games or like like league games against Venezia or Spezia or something like that, he's someone who can be relied on. And yeah, for such for so much experience, for the amount of goals and trophies he's won and for the price that it is and how similar he is to Eva in the way that he's a tall player who can hold it up. He's got the, he's capable of the spectacular. He's... Yeah, he's he's got, it's a brilliant signing for such a cheap price. So, yeah, yeah. and honestly, if everything goes wrong during a game, just put Ibrahim Zlatan yeah. and Zlatan in the box and spam cross for nine for the last 10-20 minutes, and we get a goal. So, 
<laughs> no, um, he said he was the top scorer in the in the run that Ch- Chelsea had winning the Champions League. Yeah, so it's fantastic for for a million. We got the top scorer of the UCL champs. They're defending. Yeah, he he always seems to perform in the UCL as well. He just he just has something when he goes in the UCL. <laughs> so I think he is a great. Plus, Inter wanted him like two seasons ago, so that's a big win in my book. Anyways. Um, well, anyways, uh, speaking about another Frenchman, we just signed a French left back from Monaco. Uh, I think Matt was talking about it. I'm, I'm not too um, first on him, but uh, Matt, do you want to take it off? Who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm not going to sit here and think, like, suggest I've watched every Monaco game this season. But I think this signing, as we're beginning to learn more about Paolo Maldini as a sporting director, I think this is such a Maldini signing. It's it's Kalulu esque. It's Salamarkas esque. It's it's cheap. It's a it's a player from a like a from France, from Belgium, from that sort of yeah France Belgium Benelux region on a cheap someone that's like high potential, someone that is eager to be be part of something a bit more. I think at Monaco is on the fringes, and Milan will be on the fringes, but he'll be I don't know how to phrase this, but less on the fringes while still still being on the fringes. With Monaco, he's getting nothing. But with Milan, he'll be playing Coppa Italia. He'll be playing those games where we're rotating in the league because we've got, like, I don't know, Real Madrid in the Champions League. So I think, yeah, it's a typical Maldini signing. A, a young player coming in as a backup who's eager to play, someone with high potential and someone that he and Milan hope will get better and in a few years' time will prove to be a bargain. And, yeah, it's not, it's not something that's as exciting as maybe a like Tenali being made permanent or uh, Giroud coming in. He's obviously not a Champions League winner, but I think, yeah, another another good young um, backup player. I think, yeah, I think it's something to be, it's a, it's a promising signing and it it means that we don't have to rely on, like, you know, Calabria shifting to left-back, Kalulu shifting to left-back or, like, relying on Laxout and, like, and not being able to profit from Laxout selling him. And, yeah, I think with him, it's a, it's a natural left-back, on the cheap, I think it's yeah, I think it's a good signing. My thoughts on are simple. If Maldini signs a young left back, I'm okay with it. It's <laughs> gonna be good. Like if, if there's someone who knows a good left back, I'm pretty sure it's Maldini. <laughs> so I think we're good in that. Yeah. <laughs> um one signing that we've I think this is the last one that's like like major in like in terms of it might happen, there's obviously all these rumours floating around, like Insigne and stuff like that, all these like hearted rumours that you get every transfer window. But one one that's probably the last one that's looking serious is Caio George um, from Santos. I've kind of got, I don't know, I think Mark, um, uh, Mark Galliani tweeted about it um, on Twitter. Um, and it's about how basically he wished that I could see this happening now on Twitter, uh, <laughs> Kyle George, because I do kind of have a story about Kyle George. Um, so basically on Football Manager, he's unreal. And I know that doesn't necessarily translate to him being amazing on like in real life because Ravel Morrison was amazing on Football Manager. But like he is just your typical Brazilian wonder kid, I think. Like So, and I think he's... He's obviously a lot further, a lot earlier in his career than sort of like um, Giroud or Ibrahimovic. But I think he's someone, again, who could grow into that mould once he like fills his body out, if that makes sense. Like, see, when Lukaku started out, he was like a lot skinnier than he is now. And I think Kai George is quite skinny. He's quite, he's quite agile, quite slight. But I think he's someone who, yeah, he's only, I can't 
him how old he is, like 18, 19, definitely not over 20. And yeah, I think that he's only got, I think because the way Brazilian seasons work, their seasons end in the winter. So his contract runs out in the winter. So it's either he's coming in um, in the winter for, on a free or coming in now for very cheap. And I think, yeah, similar to that Balo Torre one, the uh, Monaco left back, it's not someone who's going to set the world alight straight away. But I think it's good to be getting in these youngsters and planning for the future. So, yeah, I don't know what um, Naeem Rid or Samir, what do you think of a signing like uh, that? I, I mean, like I, or <laughs> I think we can all agree that we needed a young striker that could go with Drew and Slatan. And he's, he's again a cheap option because, let's be honest, you're kind of broke. So, again, probably the best you can get. And I haven't seen much of him. Don't know how good it is, but he's Brazilian. I mean, the last Brazilian signed this Paqueta who didn't work out, but now we can see he's he's become much better. So there, I mean, there's definitely some talent in him. Probably, um, he's cheap, young, has potential to grow. And if you're a striker, Ibrahim Shinju are probably the best ones that you can be playing along and learn how to score goals. So I'm all up for it. Um, I would like to see. I would like to see what we're gonna do with Colombo because uh, he's a homegrown talent. He's big for his age. He, he's I don't know how he, he's younger than me and he's twice the size of me. I think that says more about my, me than him, to be fair. But you know, I think because um, when we, when he played last year, obviously he didn't play as well as he didn't play well. But there's definitely something. I think he. We might we might need to send him alone again, but I would is he's definitely someone I would like to see him play more, at least be kept or been been not being sold, so he can go alone. But I want us to have on over him, so him being a player get get more chances because I definitely think he's a good player. Um, on Kyle George, um, a young player is actually another player I want to talk about is Emil Robach. Robach impressed us uh, last year in preseason, so. And I think Saturnian tweeted that. Why are we looking for young strikers when we already got one? Well, I, th- I think Roblox is quite good too. Uh, but Kyle George, if we if we do sign him, here's the thing with, uh, like Lerid said, Paqueta. Paqueta, it didn't work out. We thought he was bad. But thing with young players, they need time. They're, they're not mainly supposed to have like an in like Cassie. Look at Cassie was a great first sign. So if, if we do sign Kyle George, we, sh- we should give him more time than we gave Paqueta. Because Paqueta is having an he had a phenomenal season and he played really well in the Copa. So I think if, if we get Kyle George, we can't just like me on Twitter so often do this guy's shit, sell him, cut off his head, sell Cassie to Wolves, all that stuff. No, these, these players need time, just how it goes. It's a new country, new language, new friends that knew everything. So it's my thoughts on Kyle George. Man. Um, honestly, I, I hope he surprises me. Like, I, I saw his, like, his YouTube highlights. He looks good. It has good touches. Pretty basic, you know. And as a third striker, I wouldn't mind, honestly. Mm-hmm. Also, I wish, you know, we gave Colombo a chance. Like, last season, he, like, played, like, three matches for us. For us, and he scored, like, two goals. He looked good. And, and he just says, like, Rich said, Colombo has an amazing, amazing build, right? You know, like, he can be, he has, like, a whole tech figure, you know. So maybe, maybe, I hope he improves. I hope we give him to loan to, like, maybe a CIA team, you know? Like, that. maybe in Poly, you know, team like that, you know, they can play him, you know? And Kyle, 
he looks good. I wouldn't mind him. Apparently, we can we can get him for like one million because you know his his contract got over, is getting over on in January. So the reports are we we're gonna get him for a million or get him for free on January. I hope we get him right now, so you know he can train with us. Yeah, it's a good signing. Yeah. Um, speaking of young players, actually, guys, uh, Hauge and Tommaso Pobega. We can touch a bit on that while we're on the topic of young players. So Jans Peter Hauge, um, I'm a, I'm a bit sad about him leaving. I, I think he had more to offer to us. Well, I think Maldini sees it from a business point of view. If you can get 15, 17 mil for a player we signed for what 3.5 mil, that's that's a good profit, and we can use those funds for you know our attacking midfielder or a right winger. So that's how he's seeing it, and I understand, but. Hauge, I'm, I'm a bit sad. Pobega, on the other hand, that's, that's pure plus Valenza. We're not even sure what his ceiling is. I'm sure Atalanta, who he's been linked to, will make better use of him. I'm not too upset over that one. I mean, I think for both of them, we've got preseason coming up. I think both of them at least deserve a chance to play in our system. Uh, we know how what he can do, how he's playing our system many times. He plays well. Whereas with Pobega, he isn't the... Uh, um, hold the midfielder there. We play. He's in the number ten. He's um, he's like over. He's a, like a crunch. Um, there is an opposition our team that it's perfectly suited for him. He's for Medzala. He's better plays in a mid free uh, free man midfield. Yep. Um, but I think he deserves a chance because he's homegrown. He's a good. He's had a good season. He deserves a chance to at least play uh, against Valencia, maybe Real Madrid. That's uh, some of the games we got coming up. It's friendlies. And then after that, maybe make decisions. I mean, ideally, um, we in ideal world for me, they're both going lower. I think Hauge needs to he's needs to play more because every time he's played, he's played well. And I understand why we want to make profit. And we have Rebic and Leo, you know, in that side of the pitch, and it's very much unlikely that he'll be playing many games um, since we have so much competition that's on that side. We even go he even prefers playing Kronich on the left side if those are not available. So if I'm Harry, I can understand why he's like, you know, well, maybe I, I should be looking at some elsewhere. And if we sell him, then obviously I'll be a bit upset because I like I like him. He's a very good dribbler and he, every time he plays, well, most of the time he plays, he just shows up. Um, in terms of Pobega, I think if we do sell him, we could probably get a good 15, 20 million in my opinion. But I think if we sell if we send him alone for like another year and then maybe sell him, we can make even more if by that point we don't want to keep him because I think he can improve much more. Let's say he goes to Lone Atalanta for a year. Um, I think it's gonna be much better and we can make so much money at that point, I think. But I unfortunately I don't think there's much space for him in our team. Um, unless he can somehow plays the CDM quite well. Again, looking at AFCON coming up and Benasa and Casino being there for a lot of uh, most important games in January. If he can prove himself and be like, yeah, I can play, I can fill in those gaps, then I don't see why we can't keep him because we don't have more CDMs currently. We need him. We need our CDM problem is going to be quite bad because I think the games we miss, the Casino Benasa missing going to be Inter, Juventus and the other ones, Lazio and Lazio, yeah. So, like, those are big games, and we need good players. So, I would like to keep them both. But if they 
go out alone or being sold. I understand why. I think it's it's a it can go one or two ways, kind of. You can either just spin them off and get the early profit, like how what you're looking at, like maybe 10 mil per vega, 15 mil or something like that. So it's 25 mil, which is good. It's good profit to reinvest. But then what you don't want to do is make mistakes that like, you know, like we sold Piscine and we sold Cristante and those are two players that now we look at and we think, yeah. wow, they've just won the Euros with Italy and we had them and guess who would be good backups for Kessie and Benacer and Tonali and stuff like that would be those players. So the thing is, I think you don't want to rush, but at the same time, you don't want to miss an opportunity to sell. So there's got to be a balance of don't just get rid of them with no percentage of a sell-on fee, no no buyback. You need to, you don't want to just rush them out of the club just for the sake of it, just to bring in, I don't know, yeah, like a Sabitzer or something like that. You don't want to just completely bin them off, but at the same time, you don't want to keep them around when there's a good chance to sell. So like Rid said, I think pre-season, get them in a couple of friendlies, give them the chance to impress. And yeah, I think that, like I say, I keep coming back to it. We're playing 50 games next season. You don't want to write off any players and say that they're not good enough because it'll come to that, it'll come to that February, March period when there's copper games, there's, um, there's Champions League games, hopefully if we make it out of the group and there's um, Serie A games, we're going to be needing a lot of players. So, is there any point of looking at players from like around the world to to fill these positions that we already have a Haug and we already have a Pavega in who have both shown on occasion that they can do it in Syria? So yeah, I think it's just about don't don't rush them out, give them a chance, and yeah, go from there. And if we do need to sell them and get some money in because we don't think they're good enough fair play, and if they're good enough to stay and we can save the money and reinvest elsewhere, then yeah, that's good. Also, but yeah, just don't rush them out. I'd say that's my only thing. Tell I think out. the problem for me with Pogba uh, is I think he doesn't fit our formation. Yeah. You know, he's more of like a cringe kind of player. You know, they need the four-two-three to play. They're like a number eight. So like, even if he stays, I don't, I don't know, like where can he play? He's not a, like a natural CDM, nor he's a number ten, nor he's a winger. So it's like you know, to make him play. Really has to play four to three, or I don't kind of see it. And and, and as for Hulke, I really want him to stay. Like I don't mind you know having three left wingers, you know, like knowing our injury luck, mm-hmm. we might have like Rebic and Leo might get injured before Jan, you know, like yeah. you know, I, I hope he stays. Like he showed a lot. Maybe he had like two stingers and rest. He was pretty good. I don't know what's What's wrong with Pioli? He purely keeps on playing Rebic or Leah, but I don't know, Castillo, like, sorry, like, Hulge never got his chance. I don't know why. Like, I feel like something has happened behind the scenes, like, must, like, something, Hulge did something, or, you know, like, I don't understand, like, how can you see his talent still not playing? Like, I don't get it. Like, anyone, any guesses, like, what the fuck is happening? It's like the Zaha Moyes situation. If anyone remembers that, Zaha, I think Man United fans wanted more playing time for him, but Moyes had like some issues with him. So it's probably something similar. Yeah, because if you look at the performances of how like that goal against Napoli to seal it, like just the pace down the wing and then just to chip it over the goalkeeper and in, like that's just it's perfect, isn't it? And like to Ability-wise, there's nothing wrong with him. So yeah, it's a shame that it's just gone. And 
Yeah, so I'd, I'd, it would be a shame just to see him go. And then him scoring so, against Sampdoria, that potentially you know, got us in top four, you know, in hindsight, if you think about it. Yeah, so, I don't that's know. true. Just to go back on the hacker situation really quick, I just read, so Maldini had an interview with Dazon yesterday um, where he said, yeah, Jiu is coming tomorrow, so meaning either today and tomorrow, but the, be- the one of the things that we often kind of just find interesting is he was asked, do you have an idea who the replacement of Tronach would be? And his reply was just, no, and nothing else. So, obviously, yeah. it doesn't really mean anything because he's not going to be like, yeah, we've got a science of it or something. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just quite interesting. Um, and also, I think this also perfectly links our next topic. He's saying, uh, Cassie is the future of this team. We are working on his contract extension. Obviously, Cassie has only got one year left on his contract. And I think... Everyone wants him at this point. I think he's really shown um, how good he is this year. Like he was incredible, and I think playing against Manchester United put him made so even more people um, discovered him and how good it is. And we we don't wanna. I mean, you could argue Kess has been more important on the rumor this year for our team because of how, how much he's played because of his position. But we don't wanna come back here next year and be like, yeah, so Kessie had just signed for PSG on a free contract. Yeah, I guess, you know what I mean? So what's our thoughts on this contract situation? Do we think we'll get it done? Because I remember in January, we all said that then Donnarumma and Tronago will both renew and none of them renewed. So what, what's our thoughts on that? Because I think we're a bit too, we were a bit too optimistic with Donnarumma and Tronago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope Cassie's on. I, 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 we can't lose Cassie. He's a pillar of our team. He's captain material. And he's, he's the core. He's the heartbeat of our midfield. I would say he, we can't lose someone like Cassie with Hakan. Like Hakan's replaceable very easily. GGO, like he's, I know he's generational, but you can get like a decent keeper. But Cassie, my God, like he's made that role his own. He's, he's massive, literally and figuratively. Like, we have to get that done. <laughs> Yeah, I think, like you say, he's so important to the team. We look so much worse without him. Um, like you said, with Donnarumma, we've replaced him already. We've got him in the arm. But to replace someone like someone like Kessie, who's grown into the team, it's been like, it's literally has been like a four year pro- process. It, and now it's finally got to the point where he's integral. And yeah, to lose him. And like, again, it would be on a free. So yeah, I think this one, get it done quit early the better and I think this is a sign now we need to stop getting to a point where we've got one year left on players contracts like the best way to run a club because not that I've got much experience doing it but apart from on football manager that you need to make sure that none of your players have like less than ideally less than two years left on their contracts because if they do, if 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 you've got a player with like less than two years between between one year and two year, they'll run it down for that one year. And as soon as you get down to that one year, that player's got all the power. He can ask for so much more money, for so many more benefits, so many more, yeah, so much more money and benefits. And if you don't offer them because you can't afford it, then guess what? Next summer he's gone. You need to get to a point where all the players you have want to be here. You need to be for the important players like Kessie, like Calabria, um, maybe not Kier because he's a bit older, but yeah, all the important players who are approaching their prime and have still got loads of years left in them, you need to be getting them on four or five-year contracts rather than just giving them one-year extensions. Because if you keep giving players 
one year extensions, two year extensions, stuff like that. You get to a point where, yeah, you it's just roundabout every single year. I would love a summer where we don't have a contract guy like problem with Kessie or with um Donnarum or Hakan, stuff like that. So yeah, with Kessie, he's so important. Just get it done this summer, get him done into what would it be? It'll be or like yeah, 2026, 20, something like that. Just get it signed. I think with Kessie, yeah. I highly doubt he'll ask as much as Donnarumma and have the whole Donnarumma drama we had with Kessie. He doesn't look like the type of person who would do it and he doesn't have Rayola as um, the, uh, his agent and, and he doesn't have a big e- ego where he thinks he's the best player on the team like Chanelogu did. So I think those factors will, will probably make his renewal easy and you know everyone loves him. You know, with Donnarumma and Chanelogu has always been fans, I would say, that have you know not exactly been a great fan of them regardless of how good or bad yeah. they've been. Whereas with Kess, I think everyone loves him because obviously he's just so consistently good. It's just not normal how good he is sometimes, given how much he plays as well. So I think his situation is easier, but um, if we don't get it done by the end of the summer, that's where I was, uh, me personally, I'll be asked again, I'll be worried because I'm like, why is it taking so long? You know, with the Donnarumma situation, um, the contract renewal started January 2020. So a whole year ago, that was when the first report came out and then nothing came out of it clearly. And you know, I really don't want the same thing to happen with this test situation where we, come back next year and we're like, yeah, lost Kessian of free transfer to Manchester United or something. So if it's not done by the end of the summer, then I'll be worried and I'll be like, why is it not done? Because he's not asking 10 million or whatever. I think he was asking like about 4.55 million, which we can all agree he deserves. That's paid. Absolutely. Yeah, so if we don't give him that and don't renew Kessian, if you take Kessian away from our team, like we have no one else like him and I don't think there's anyone else that we can afford out there that could even replace him. Like with Chan Lugler yeah. and as Naeem or Matt said, you know, he's not as easily replaceable as the other one. So if we lose him, then you're just taking a step down from this building thing that you wanted to do with this club. Because he's young, he's yeah. a good player. And so, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, man, like, we have to get it done. We have to get it done. Like, these are sort of, like, the main thing. Yeah. Like, before before the like our season starts, we have to get this done. Or I'm gonna be worried the whole year because you know, like if you look at uh Hakans and Donnarumma's renewal, Maldini said, Okay, it's okay, you know, it's going good, it's going good, blah blah blah. In the end, he lost both of them. I don't want the same thing to happen for KC or Romagnoli, you know. He has to get it done, like no other way. Like if you're selling Romagnoli, okay, fine, you know, but KC, it's a must. I don't think. Even with 60 million, we can like find a player like him right now. Like, no way. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, I remember it's interesting, right? I feel like he, he wants to stay. Part of him wants to... He's been at the club, what, since 2015? And I, I feel like part of him, he's just like, I've, I've, I've wanted to play Champions League with Milan since 2015. And, hey, we're here. Might as well do it. I, I feel like part of him wants to stay. And that's a very good player to have still on the bench. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah we can't. We're talking about Romagnoli, right? I just yeah. end up, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. we can't get rid of him because, as Matt keeps saying, we've got 50 games. You can't expect here and tomorrow to play all of them. And 
he, let's say one of them gets injured, we don't want to see Gabby and Kalulu playing if we sell <laughs> Romagnoli. We can't yeah, find yet, yeah. a good... We're struggling to find a central back now because we, we probably need another one. Um, but if we sell Romagnoli, that means going into the market to find another replacement that we don't need as we already have someone who's more than good enough and knows the league, knows the team. So selling him or even like swapping here with like the likes of Luis Alberto or whatever, I think will be big would be a big mistake. Thank you. Yeah, that's like, I don't understand why like everyone turned against Romagnoli. He just had one bad season, right? Like two yeah. years back, 18-19 season, he was going head to it against Van Dyke. And now it's like he can't even start. People are saying Gabriel is better than him. You know, I'm like, what the hell? Like this one bad and season. He's, and he's had a lot of injuries this season as well. We can't just yeah, like you know, I think exactly. I yeah. think he was in the in the derby against Inter. He came back from injury, and the first game back was starting against Inter. I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was this season, wasn't it, or was the last season? Yeah, but yeah. Way, he's, this season. Yeah, so he's he he's had so many injuries, so, and he's had one bad season. Not you know, we can't sell him because he he looks like he he wants to stay. He's more mm-hmm. than good enough. To even be a star, yeah. like if you take care, yeah. I think I think Tomori and Romagnoli work very well because one is right-footed, one is left-footed, mm-hmm. one is very fast, one is more of a conservative um, defender. So I think they balance out very well, and he definitely has a space in the team. He's our captain. I mean, you could argue he doesn't deserve it now, but as a player, he deserves to stay. And selling him would just be so stupid, in my opinion. Yes, you swap it with Luis Alberto. We got the comes for COVID, but now we need to go out and look for a central back. We know Romagnoli, if he plays, he will put down performances. But if you sell him, that means looking for someone else. Is he good enough? Is he going to, can we trust this new player? There's just so many reasons as to why. we. If he wants to leave, then that's a completely different discussion. But it doesn't look like it does. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in even considering him, selling him. Yeah, as a as a backup option, and I think the only thing that I'd be concerned about is he shouldn't because he's captain and he's always carried himself well. But there was rumours that he felt like Pioli had done him over a bit by introducing Tamori into the team with Kier. And as long as that nonsense settles down, and he understands that at the moment he is our third best centre back, and it, as long as he understands that and is willing to like that, I I don't see any problem with if he. If he comes in when there's an opportunity, someone's suspended and some or someone's injured. If he comes in and puts in a string of performances that suggest that he's good enough to start and take care or take Tomori out of the team, like I, I love Tomori and care, but like that's what we need when we're going into these. Like again, I'll come back to fifty game seasons and yeah. in Champions League football. We're going to need a lot of players. If he's here, we've got someone who's because what you have what like we've said, if we sell him, we've got. We've got Tamori and Kier, and then we've got Danny, we've got Gabby and Kalulo. We don't want that. We want to have a new I mean, we, we, we got Caldara as well, but he looks like he'll be probably gone, <laughs> so wouldn't really put him there. Yeah, God knows what's going to happen. Also, like, <laughs> Kier will get injured. Like, it's going to happen. It's a given, yeah. right? When it's Kier gets injured, yeah. you don't want Gabby to start in UCL against Barca when Messi is running, you know, like, he needs some experience, so definitely you, we need him, like, I think we should like we should we should renew his contract to be honest. Um, speaking of new captains, guys, uh, what do you guys think will be the new captain now that uh, GGO is gone, uh, Romagnoli is not starting? Who's gonna take the armband uh, before the match they want? I think 
for, for I think I think that it should be Kier. I'm not saying it's gonna be Kier, but he's a good show. Him, Kessier, collaborate probably the top three candidates. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think uh, gone, Mark. Yeah, oh, cheers. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I think there's two routes that Pioli can go. He can like literally take the armband off Romagnoli and say that you're not playing. You're not playing enough. Dang. We're gonna. We're gonna we're going to change the captain or we're going to have Romagnoli, who's going to be like a club captain. And then there's going to be a team captain, which is going to be the one on the pitch. And I think club captain should remain as Romagnoli. But yeah, Kier, I think I think we spoke about a couple of podcasts ago that it was maybe in dispute with someone like Kessie or Calabria or something like that. But I think Kier, he's approaching his final years. You saw his leadership with Denmark. You've seen his leadership as a non-captain for Milan. I think, yeah, Kier is a safe and, yeah, I think he's the premium choice for captain. And I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that Donnarumma gone, Romagnoli sitting on the bench, that Kier's leading us out, yeah, against two, is it, first day of the season, Sampdoria, yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be, I think that'll be good. And I don't think anyone will have any complaints about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, take, I think we should keep Romagnoli as a captain. I mean, as the official captain, you could say, because, uh, just taking stripping him of the captaincy just wouldn't make any sense. You know, he's already not playing as well as he did and he's not starting. So just going up to be like, You've been terrible this year. Let me let me take that back. Would we'll just make would we'll just be so counterproductive in my opinion. So I would agree with Matt. I think Robin has to say the captain, but as the team captain, I would say copyright. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get strike down somewhere. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying, I wouldn't mind Kier. I think at this point, I don't really mind who's the captain because we have seen, even though Donovan has been the captain, the real captains on the pitch have been the likes of Ibrahimovic, the likes of Kier, even Kessie, you could argue. I don't think Kessie is just, I don't think he's as vocal as the likes of Kier and Ibrahimovic, which is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be captain, but who I think whoever at the end of the day is given the captain ban, it won't really matter because we're lucky enough to have the likes of Kier, the likes of Ibrahimovic on the pitch who are captains themselves. We've seen Kier being pretty much the captain of the defence ever since he came in. I mean, I would give it to Kier by the end of the day. It doesn't matter because we're, like, we're blessed to have players who are just based as the captains regardless. Uh, Summer, yeah. you pick for the armband. Um, yeah, like everyone, it, it has to be the Kier or Kessie. Kier is like the more vocal type. Kessie's, you know, like he never really shouts. I've never seen him shout, you know, his way. So I think I'll prefer Kier. Like he has shown during these Euros that he is a like, real captain, you know, like without the armband. So him with the armband would be perfect. Also, guys, I think we missed it. I think purely said like two days back that Roman only is still our captain, and they're gonna choose like like second captain or third captain. So like I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like my field captain and not field captain. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in that way, I, I would want Roman only, Simon Kier, Calabria, and Kessie. You know. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's gonna be similar to like at Leicester. What we have at Leicester, like Morgan's the club captain. He's like the club ambassador, Wes Morgan. And like if a new player signs, it'll be like, here's Wes. He's the captain. He's been here years. He's a dinosaur. Do you remember him from five years ago when he was good? 
But then you have your on-field captain, which is Kasper Schmeichel, who's going to be the guy who, when we're down 1-0 and we need to come back, he's going to be rallying the troops. And yeah, that sort of thing. There's two types of captains. And yeah, I think Romagnoli is going to be that guy who's yeah going to be boosting morale and going to be in team meetings as a captain and stuff like that. And then, yeah, on field, we're going to have a Kier, Calabria, Kessie. And yeah, that, I think that makes sense. And I think Pioli will go with that. And yeah, like I said, no one will have any complaints, really. Um, and the last topic, I'll let Matt kick it off, is the signing of Tonali and the Calabria renewal, which were done uh, same week. Yeah, so um, Calabria renewal, I think that's just everything the opposite to Donnarumma. I think quick, efficient, I don't know the figures salary-wise, but I don't assume he's asking for like a triple of wages. He's got a job done. He's a Milanista. He's from he's from Lombardy. He he knows the club and he's renewed. And I think with Kess, when we're looking at someone like Kessie, he's got um, two options. He's got the Hakan and the Donnarumma route, or he's got the Calabria route. So and hopefully with someone like Kessie, he'll take the Calabria route quick and easy. Done by this, done by the start of the season, and he's here for the long term. And yeah, I think with Calabria, there's always been a bit of like debate about Dallo or Calabria. And I think there's with Calabria, it wasn't like a burst. Actually, like someone like Don Rumor, he was on the scene and he was our like number one goalie at 16. Whereas Calabria's had to work for a bit. Like he couldn't get in over De Chilio, he couldn't get in over Abate and um, stuff like that. But yeah, he's broken into the team now. He's our, I'd say, undoubtedly starting right back. And yeah, how's everyone feeling about Calabria renewing? I'm personally, yeah. Very happy with it. Calabria is the, yeah. the opposite to Gigio, if anything. They're, if Gigio is uh, the night, Calabria is the day. And he's always said, I love my club. And he showed it. He's, he's like, even in, on his worst days, he's shown he's determined to fight for his spot. He's always out there giving 100%. He's, he's had his best season uh, in terms of goal scoring as of date. So I think I think it's a good deal. And I think if anything should be, get the arm back, if, if he wants to be the captain, you know, down the road, maybe not now, maybe post care, post Kessie, I think he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samir, well, no, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Naeem and Matt, you've covered the, we got Juju and we got the likes of Calabria. I think Tonali even took a wage cut to um, sign for us, which is literally the opposite of what Donnarumma has done. So, you can see who actually cares about um, the team and shows it, and you can see who says they care, but then doesn't really show it for action. And, you know, as a lot of people say, actions speak loud in the words, and that's the same proof. And I think it just, it's just quite funny how, like, Donnarumma and Hakan left like that, and then a week after Calabria and Tonali just signed the way they did, just a bit ironic. And, but, and then I think Tonali used the caption, the same caption as Gigi used a few years ago, so I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just love it. Um, but yeah, just before we wrap up, um, half an hour ago, it was, it was, no, it was um, announced, that, not announced, but the Brahim deal is pretty much done. It's a two-year loan with no buying clause. So you just dry two-year loan, which, you know, three years, Brahim's place for us for free. So can't really complain about that. So looks like we now actually have a number 10. Probably not the our starting one, but it's better than having Kroenic playing as Real Madrid in a few weeks. But yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you want to add? Yeah, just loan wise, I think that yeah, tonight I think we begin to see now that 
the people who are always going to stay, if that makes sense. Tamori, Tanali, Brahim, and then it looks like Dello, unless we pay some silly like 30 million for a backup fullback, uh, he's not staying. And same with Metier, um, it doesn't look like he's staying either. And I think that I think we should all be very happy. Like you say, Tamori sorted, that's good. Tanali sorted, that's good. Dello are more premium ones. And Brahim, like we're saying, he's a backup, but. The thing is, last season he outperformed Challen Holy. Think like, <laughs> like that, that Juve game away, he was on absolute fire. And yeah, like, yeah the last five matches. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, yeah, uh, for last five matches of the season, he outperformed our starting star, Marquis, centre attacking mid Hakan, mm-hmm. who deserves all the money in the world, apparently, and deserves to be a Champions League winner. Um, but yeah, I think that, like you say, it's, I think, we're only paying wages. For him, so yeah, it's just like getting a sign a player for three years and him going. And yeah, I think that with Brahim, it's a good option. And like you say, he'll probably be a backup. But as we saw at the end of last season, he's a very reliable backup who, when given the chance, does provide. And I think it's yeah, yeah with the loans, the loans that we've redeemed, have we had like five people on loan last year, and the three that we've signed are good and the two that we've not signed I'm not that bothered that we've not signed them I don't know what anyone else thinks but I'm, I'm indifferent to them staying or leaving Dallow and Mete yeah I know guys Brian Diaz could be absolutely shit for all I care about for that goal on on over Chiellini's head on Juventus I'll, I'll yeah. never forget that goal in my life I'll never forget <laughs> I'll never forget that goal he has a place in my heart just for scoring that the absolute yeah. goal there. my god what a goal Um, but and like the way he ran to Julio <laughs> like damn man like father son relationship you know what I mean passion right there so so yeah um Mete, uh, i think we all agree there he's not good he's not he's not the worst just just like he's just there if you like matt said he, we're indifferent to it i don't know if you guys have any different thoughts on Mete. Uh, dalo for the right price yeah but other than that i'm sure we could find better left backs out there mm-hmm. yeah I think just to touch on the major situation, I think we, we haven't redeemed him. He's not coming back, but we definitely do need another CDM, especially again, mentioning Afghan. I think it is definitely a position that um, we can't overlook, even though we are looking for camps. Our CDM spot, we have only three CDMs and we need at least four, if not more, mm-hmm. because of Afghan coming up as well. And our two best CDMs are both going to be gone. So it is definitely something that the management has to look as soon as possible. Bakayoko, maybe? What do you guys think? You <laughs> see, if you asked me two years ago, I'd be like, yes, like no thoughts about it. But looking at how he's played with Napoli and everything, he hasn't found the form um, he had with Milan. Yeah. Um, depends on how much, if you get it for like 10 million, even maybe, yes. I mean, he wants to come back, uh, it seems like. So maybe, maybe I'll take him, maybe, if he can't find anyone else. But, yeah, it's a maybe for me. He has a, he's on his last, like Matt was saying, he's on his last year of the contract. They have to sell Bakayoko now or they risk losing him for uh, on a free. And they paid, what, 40 mil or something, like quite a bit for him. So he's, he's going to be going somewhere this summer for sure. Yeah, I think I want mind him. I feel like he's better than Mete, so, you know, I wouldn't mind him. And he, you can clearly see he likes us, he loves us. Every time we, we're having a big match, he's always, you know, on Instagram, you know, like. Yeah. Like, you see his stories, yeah, he's always watching us. So I wouldn't mind him. 
but then I think we need someone you know who, who can like really fight when Casey and Benesser leave for Egon. You know, like mm-hmm. we can't really have you know Tonali and Bakioka against Lazio, Juventus, Atalanta, Roma, whoever we face. Like it's gonna be a massacre, man. So I don't know. It's better than Tonali and Krunic for sure. I think oh, Matt would say something about Bakioka, right? Yeah, I was just going to echo what Rid said about he's a good backup option, but don't want like Chelsea. They're always doing that thing on they're like, oh, we signed him for like 25. We want 40 for him just because he plays for the year. Like we want him. I think we I think we all under, I think we all agree that when he's playing for us, he's amazing. When he's playing for Napoli or Chelsea, he's just awful. And there's, there's like no in between. It's really weird. Just when he comes to the Santero, when he's in the yeah. red and black, when he's in the red and black, he's just I think he saw it. I think he likes the colour red and he hates the colour blue because at Monaco and Milan, he's been good. And at Chelsea and Napoli, he's not been. So maybe there's something oh. to that. But um, yeah, get him on the cheap, get him 5, 10, maybe push it towards 15 million, maybe. But yeah, I don't think we should break the bank for a backup player. And if, if it all works out and Chelsea are willing to be reasonable, then fine. If not, there'll always be another target. And uh, yeah, for, I think the final topic that we want to cover, we've been alluding to it throughout the podcast, but it is this the fixture, the fixture list that got announced yesterday. Um, and yeah, the there's a so I think the first few things we need to look at is like the opening, the opening game, uh, opening couple of games to get off to a, like a good start. So it's um, two games where we should expect to win. I think we've got Sampdoria and then we've got Cagliari, um, but then we've got Lazio and Juve. So like opening four games, it's um, it's a bit it's. It's um it's not an ideal start because you'd like just six easy games straight away just to uh, start the season off, but that's like never going to happen. So yeah, I think we need to get those points against uh, Sam Dorian Calori early on, and then that means against Lazio and Juve, maybe there's room for a point or something like that. Um, looking at the end of the season when we're going to it's going to be the run in. Um, a few difficult games to be fair. So we've got Genoa at home. We all know against Genoa, something bad's gonna happen. There's yeah. gonna be a there's gonna be a hat trick from an ex-Milan player, there's gonna be own goals, red cards, players on the bench being sent off, managers being sent off. There's like Genoa are probably gonna sack their manager midway through the game. There's always there's always something in that game. And then Lazio away, which is difficult. Fiorentina at home, we should be fine. Hellas away, it's always a tr- tricky one, but we should scrape through. But then the last two games of the season. I just hope that some, like whether we're going for the Scudetto or whether we're going for top four, I hope it's sorted because it's Atalanta at home, and at home and then it's Sassuolo away and Sassuolo, like they're growing. Obviously, Deserby's um, left now, but they're always a tricky team and we just need to get off to a quick start against them like we did last time with a goal after six seconds, which would be ideal. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then the thing um, midway through the season, the games that um, Kessie and Benacer, our midfield duo, are going to be missing because of AFCON, are going to be Roma, Venezia, Spezia, Juve, and Inter. So that is um, one, two, three, like very big games Roma, Juve, and Inter, and then Venezia and Spezia. I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah. We'll be fine against them, even without, we, even without Kessie and Benacer. But yeah. The African Cup of Nations, it's all... There was a couple of years, I think... I can't remember if I remember it right, but I think when Benacer won play of the tournament, it was in the summer that year. It was in the summer, yeah. Yeah, but whenever it's in February, January, it's always a pain, and that's what we're on about this whole podcast. What That's what we've been alluding to. When it comes to these points, where we're going to literally have over a month without key players, 
we do we do need good strong backups against the likes of Juve, Inter, and Roma. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on the fixture list? I think it's like last year because what I think what we've had before is we've had periods where we've had like eight easy games in a row, and then we've had Juve, Napoli, Lazio, yeah. Roma, Inter, <laughs> something like that. But last year was good. Um, I think that was similar to this year where we've got a tough game, a tough game, an easy game, an easy game, and it kind of balances itself out quite well. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the fixture list that came out yesterday? I think I think it's pretty balanced, except January. January just murder. It just, we're going to die. Like I'm telling you now, we're going to die. We're going to have zero points or something. It's going to be like hell for us, honestly. But but overall, you know, it's it's pretty balanced. We have like two easy teams, two hard hard teams, two easy teams, two mid table teams. You know, it really balances out. My my yeah. honestly, I'm kind of scared. Of is our seasons like our second last match is Atalanta. I am scared again. Like it, it's it's like never goes well against them. You know, we you know how it goes last season. So I'm really scared. But I, I feel like the hardest part is January. I just shit. It's gonna really. It's really going to show, you know, what we made of, you know, January. Overall, I, I like it. You know, it's pretty balanced. Brid? Yeah, I mean, I'll have to agree with that. I think it's not the worst. It's not the best, but obviously, it's never going to be ideal. Uh, having Juventus and Lazio, especially back-to-back, isn't the best, but I'm okay with it. I think my biggest worry, I think, as with everyone, is with the January, the Afghan um, timeline given that we're going to be missing Kelsey and Benassar. We've shown this season that even without Benassar, we can still play quite well with Tonal and stuff. But, you know, we've been sucking off Kelsey this whole podcast and I'm going to do it again because he's literally our most important player and I would like to have Kelsey against Inter and Juventus because those are one of the, two of the toughest games in the, of the season. And that's, that's my biggest worry. Um, but if we can have a good enough backup obviously we're not going to have someone who's going to be as good as Kessie because we're not going to break the bank to, for a backup or find even find someone just as good as that so obviously as long as we can find someone who can put a good shift in those games then I'll be okay with it but I think it's a good uh, especially with the new system that introduced so the second part of the season is not mirroring the first part of the season it's a completely different thing which is um, new and interesting I like it um, but yeah I'm okay with it as long as we get some good players that's my conclusion why is it always Atalanta at the end of the season like they just try to traumatise us intentionally <laughs> always Atalanta at the end <laughs> yeah um, we're okay to wrap it up I think we've covered everything on yeah. our yeah. good good episode yeah, hey, guys, I have one last thing. Um, have you guys heard the Hakon interview yesterday? Yeah, like, right. uh, yeah, yeah, like the reporter asked him, like, did he talk to Ibra before leaving? He said, oh. uh, Ibra told me in it. He said, uh, I was at the Euros and he was on vacation, you know, like fixing his knee injury. We didn't talk since. So, you think he's was, was he at the Euros? I didn't say, was he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Can find him? Can like, find like, him? What, what, what's wrong with this guy, man? Like, like damn. How are you taking slide shots as Latin Ibrahim? His nose is literally bigger than your entire career. Like, like dead ass. Like, man. oh yeah. He's Hakan's uh, yeah. hot. Zlatan's gonna like elbow his head off next derby. 
I mean, I'm, he I'm bullied him. I think ever since the incident with Latin Shadow, he was like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I can't try creating just... in the dressing room. You got everyone to unfollow Ibrahimovic. What a little child. Yeah, man. Like, give me his PS5 back, bro. <laughs> yeah, might as well, man. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, a... yeah, we can wrap it up. It's good. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, yeah, everyone, thanks for watching. It's been episode 13 of the Short Corner Podcast. First um, exclusively Milan one for a while, and it's been fun. But um, get ready for the, uh, the what's it, what's the word? The inevitable depression of next season. Um, we're full of hope now, but give it give it till October, November, and we won't be smiling as, smiling as much as we are now. Uh, yeah, gone through a lot of stuff, transfers, contract renewals, people leaving, people joining, fixtures, and yeah, we'll be back soon. Uh, hopefully we'll all be back, maybe with a guest. I think um, Justin, um, I think he came in on after the 3-0 loss to uh, Inter, uh, last time and he's a great guest so hopefully he'll be back with Joe next time I'll have a full house to um, maybe not like next week because we don't know how we don't know how much things might change we might be repeating ourselves a bit too much but yeah as soon as we get some fresh transfer news and things to develop him we'll be back with another podcast so yeah thanks for watching been episode 13 and uh, like subscribe and follow us on Apple and uh, Spotify and stuff like that and yeah see you next time Forza Milan Forza see you guys see you